Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Where in the world are the doorkeepers of the Duat? I know. We're <laughs> lost. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know. I like at the end of the last episode when you're like, I rolled a 94. Is this one of the ones I want to roll low on? <laughs> we're like, yes. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Every young wizard is going to teleport some random Hollis places sometimes. Hollis isn't that young. <laughs> yeah. She's young. She's young in her teleporting years. She's only been an adult for sixty-five years. I mean, only teleportation <laughs> follows Call of Cthulhu rules of low percentile is good. <laughs> well, when last we left our heroes, the doorkeepers had delved even deeper into the monument vault, where they had been confronted by uh, horrific swarms of silverfish. Yeah, we don't and like swarms. through the air and tried to burrow into your flesh. Gross. Yeah. Well, they try to burrow to our mouths, not so much our flesh. It's true. Super gross so, still. Much like I just the think it's really not fair that Sudi was immune to that and also the last room, but Masika know, was only right? the last room. <laughs> Sudi living that charmed life. Hogatop was like, I mean, you know, if it gets just a sec, it gets just a sec, I guess. Apparently, yeah. Apparently. Well, he probably figured just a sec could get himself out of that. Maybe. There Wizard are powers. extenuating reasons and circumstances. That you may or may not ever learn. <laughs> you had uh, finished fighting those, at which point you had entered into the the chamber of the Secrophires, wherein you had uh, found that there were a quartet of uh, Gray sarcophagus surrounding you, possibly containing these uh, Kalnakas that you were warned about, which may or may not be Gray Renders. Gray so, Renders, not Reapers, that's right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but theoretically, we did not need to come in here because we already talked to Chisisek and got the order of the thing. But if we hadn't got that information, this is where we would have learned the order of the obelisks. You still needed to come here to actually activate the obelisks. Chisisek had never clarified exactly what activating the Sacrifiers was, so much as you just had to anoint them with the holy water. Yeah, you had to go to the monument vault and activate the Sacrifiers, but that was the only direction he gave us. So we would have had to, we have to come here. So, but we don't have to go to each individual one in the place anymore. No. We just have to come here and no, just, just touch the them on map. the map. You just have yep. to touch them on the map. Oh, and it's yeah, 100 so. feet down. So we can literally walk over here, dimension door 100 feet down into that chamber and then leave. Yep. And since we have to come here anyway to make the process of activating this place quick and easy and hopefully getting the drop on Chisisek, or Chisisek, on Hawkatap. <laughs> Surprise, Chisisek. Um, Chisisek. We should, uh, it would have, you know, we, I, we didn't know we would be able to just go teleport back down here. So it's best mm -hmm. to have it cleared out just in case. True. And it may or may not be cleared out. You don't know. Following that had gathered, uh, well, you gathered some information. You'd found a secret compartment containing uh, some useful items. Indeed. As and, far as a uh, Kopesh, no one can use. And I think the Kalnaka are a special, like, Osiriani subspecies of the Grey Renders. Like, Maybe. The real question is, are they actually dead or are they gentle reposed in there? Like the well, they're going to be undead, probably. Probably yeah. undead. Actually, I don't know if gentle repose works on living creatures. No, no only not. dead bodies. Or any, like, organic object. Hmm. But anyway, we didn't mess with them because no thank you. Yeah. True. Thank you, Tremor Sense. That was cool. That that was very handy. I'm liking this Tremor Sense thing, man. It's paying off. Yep. You, uh, following that, had decided to teleport out, which had ended with a, uh, a bit of a mishap. <laughs> it happened. Oops. As you had found yourselves emerging somewhere. Well, I suppose let's have a look around. Well, Hotless is going to spend a minute to re-prepare teleport. 
You might not have a minute, depending on where we are and what's about to eat our faces. <laughs> well, I'm going to start immediately <laughs> re-preparing teleport. <laughs> so, as we begin, the lot of you stand outside in the shadow of an obelisk that you can see from a few feet away from you. Although, again, the sky has turned into a burnt shade of orange and is obscured from above. And as you stand here, you can feel the stinging blast of sand blowing past you as you glance about. I imagine somewhat confusedly because it was a pretty clear day when you had gone down. What would all of you like to do? Well, what's this obelisk? Like, yeah. You may make well, a linguistics check on the obelisk if you so wish. Well, Hollis is spending a minute preparing teleport. I rolled a 12 for a 19 on linguistics. I rolled a 14 for a 21 linguistics. Okay. So the two of you make your way over there. Um, Hollis, I'll go ahead and give this to you, because again, I believe you've been a wizard for a hundred years or however long it's been. Mm -hmm. uh, to prepare spells, you must be in an environment free from distraction and exposure to inclement weather prevents the necessary concentration. Hollis casts Major's Mansion. Hollis goes inside. Hollis prepares her spell. Okay. Really? I just wanted to make that clear. We're not going to be anywhere nearby, Masika, or Heather. We have to be able to get back. So Hollis just looks around and goes, hold on a second, and then disappears through a doorway. Uh, what are you doing in the meantime, Sudi? Um, I guess Sudi will look for danger. I don't okay. know. Ankeg's underfoot. You know, your current, in the sky. Your current visual range is reduced down to 20 feet. So. Oh, it's storming. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize. I'm that, sorry. I thought I kept trying to imply that there was a sandstorm. Okay. <laughs> that, I, I, I didn't apply we were in the sandstorm to yeah, me. Yeah, burnt okay. orange sky, singing sand, blasting across your flesh. Okay. I go in the mansion with Hollis. <laughs> All okay. right, that's nice. Looks like we're on our own, Citra. <laughs> I'm still with you, Citra. Even though I don't have Shooty's convenient uh, 30 feet of trimmer cinch would be would be really good in the sandstorm, but all right. <laughs> I'm still with you. Oh, Masika, Citra, making your way over, looking over at the obelisk here. Uh, you can tell that this is an obelisk with prayers dedicated to the goddess Ma'at. Once again, as you noticed with the other ones, this one only seems to be worshipping a specific portion yep. of Ma'at's faith. In particular here, the power of the stars in the heavens above and their alignments. So we're just at another part of the trench. Masika glances over towards the invisible door. Do you know where in the trench? I did make a map in my journal. Do I but know do, which... Wait, do we know where Ma'at's... Nope. Uh, we haven't found it yet. Yeah, but did we, but make we a saw map, the map in your journal. Thank you for raising that to my attention. I did. I. Oh, wait. Wait. No, I didn't because I couldn't walk in front toward it. Ah, that's correct. Yeah, you couldn't get over Never there. Um, I will allow Masika to make a knowledge geography if she has it, otherwise an intelligence roll. Uh, Masika rolls a 17 for an 18 on her intelligence. You are aware that the obelisk of Ma'at is located in the pretty much the south central portion of the slave trenches. So a distance from where your target destination was of approximately two and a half miles. Yeah. Okay. So not too this far is, off. This is why I was like, give it a second, because sandstorms can pop up randomly in the desert out of nowhere. Yeah, but mishaps don't usually put you somewhere helpful, so... Plus, I mean, teleport's not a bad thing to have anyway. And I already had Mage's Mansion, and I have an extra 7th level spell, so it's really not a big deal. Well, what time of day is it anyway? I don't know. I feel like we fought a bunch of things. It's barely noon. Oh, okay. You just a had running. a busy day. And Masika saw where all the light was, the lightning was gathering in that vision anyway. 
right? So I guess the question is, yes. do we want to go do that now? Are we all good with spells and whatnot? Or do we want to wait till tomorrow? I mean, I never run out of spells because I don't really have any. So. <laughs> True. I mean, Masika's got a heal and several other healing spells yet left. Citra's the only one I've used my healing hex on. So it really depends on if this, I mean, that we're assuming this next place is probably going to be of similar size. Well, it's also going to have a lot of things to fight, like a lot of things. I Yeah, oh, that's right, because this is the one that has the um, Poisoner Lady and... The Guardian, not the Guardians, the Generals. The, no, um, not the Generals, the uh, Bodyguards. Akuman? Bodyguards. Yeah. Akuman? Akuman, yeah. Very well. So there's probably going to be a lot to fight down there. Well, I mean, we can save talking to Nahamra for later if we want to go ahead and start that. So two things of important. I suppose three things of important. Uh, Hollis, you do have time to make your way in, spend your, I think, one minute or whatever it is, yeah, five minute. minutes, um, to re-prepare your spell, step back out. Go ahead and have Citra and Masika make me a spellcraft check. Is this to identify a magic item by any chance? It is not. All right, I roll a 13, which gets me a 31. 31? I only rolled an 11 for a 15. My spellcraft's not great. Okay. I'm still a little baby wizard. Oh. Masika, you stand in the sandstorm, tracing your finger along the side of this uh, this obelisk of Ma'at, you know, the winged woman depicted on the side of the structure. Citra's standing nearby, you know, kind of watching out into the desert. As best she can, both of you with your uh, scarfs pulled up to block out the uh, the sand from the, the wind blasting around you. This isn't natural. You feel a slight tingling. You're in a magical area of effect. Something is literally controlling the weather. Okay, so this is magic. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I couldn't couldn't help you. Um, Magic in what sense? Isn't this whole place magical? The the storm. It's someone's controlling the weather. You think it's over the whole slave trenches or just here at this obelisk? Uh, can I make a spellcraft check about control weather spells? What kind of radius and You are familiar that control weather is a two-mile radius circle. It's about a two-mile radius centered on the caster. So, And once the storm starts, it doesn't move with the caster. It's, it's just there. So two miles, give or take. So who would bother to cast a weather spell over this area? That's really weird. Why would um, someone want a sandstorm? You think it'd be the opposite. Can we call out to Tefnaju and see if he has found anybody? I mean, he's far away. Because two think. miles is not... I mean, this trench is huge. A, a mile is uh, 5,200 and something feet, right? 80 feet. Thanks, so, Imperial system. So if this is two miles... It's going to be about 10,000 feet or so. Hmm. So, so, oh man, that's a good amount, potentially. Yeah, it's it could cover be over a good portion of, of the... Uh, Not quite the entirety of it, because this place is big. But well, that's yeah. if it's centered here. If yeah. it's centered like Somewhere in the else. very center of the trenches. Hmm. So, huh. again... Is there? Can we just like knock on the earth and be like, "Hey, Tefnaju, like, come here." <laughs> he should I, be I able to sense where we are because he has the sense throughout the whole trench. Only if you're doing something. That he could sense when to. you interfered with any of the dungeons, but otherwise he's unaware of people that come and go through the trench unless they actually break into a place. Hmm. And for what you understand, you last saw Tefnaju at the obelisk. Yeah, he's, to he's talk. sitting there waiting. Yeah. 
four eyes. But I suppose Hollis and uh, Sudi step back out. Okay. Shielding their faces against the blasting sand. I'm going to like lean out the door and be like, y'all want to come in? Because it's uh, real sandy out here. It's a control weather spell. We're at the obelisk of Mott. Huh. <laughs> Wait, so we're still in the trench? Yes, we're still in the trenches. You see anybody else out there? No, but it's a sandstorm. Well, you want to come in? It's sandy. Aren't, don't we need to get back to Tefnaju and all of that stuff? I mean, we could do that too, I suppose. Or we could look for whoever's doing this. Uh, you said control weather? Well, it's a very large radius from what Masika said. I don't know if we could pinpoint where unless we fly above it, perhaps. Oh, that'd be hard to do in a sandstorm. I imagine it's very powerful, too, to be able to affect the weather. So I'm wondering who would bother to cast a sandstorm unless somebody knows we're here? Well, two miles in a sandstorm is a large area, and we don't know what side of it we're on. We would never find them. Hmm. Sudi says, looking out at the 20-foot 20, 20 visibility. Well, so do we want to go back to the statue of Ta and maybe speak to Tefnaju, or do we want to rest for the rest of the day? We could or- try waiting out the sandstorm and see if the person wanders off. How long does this effect last? A long time. Anywhere between 4 and 48 hours. Gosh. <laughs> Gosh, golly. Well, they're probably not standing still. Well, maybe they are. I don't know. Well, the, the problem is, how would we know? Yeah, there's, there's no, no way. way we, we can't even see the sky to see if there's, like, where it's dissipating, you know? Can you just spell control weather? If you find the caster. Uh, yeah. I mean, I could cast it if I really wanted to. I just <laughs> Dueling <never> control <laughs> weather. <laughs> Dueling control work? weather, go. Narmer didn't decide I needed one today. Well, yeah, because that would be weird. Uh, as an important side note, also, if this is a druid and not a uh, cleric or something casting this or a wizard... The duration is doubled, and the radius is three miles, not two miles. Hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's just a fun... It's. I think it's the few spells that I've seen that it just calls out a single class, and it's just like, oh, by the way, the spell works Druids differently do this for better. one class. No, that makes sense. Well, I mean, if we're at uh, Ma'at, and we're on the top area, we should be able to walk toward the sun disk if we want to do that. It's going, not going to be a fun journey with this storm raging around us, but... That's one of our options, so it's either go to Tefnaju, go to Sandisk, or stay in the mansion. Well, the thing is, if it's, it could literally last days. Uh, and also, like, I think it'd be real crappy for Tefnaju, because he's just like, oh, well, they went in there, and now, like, they never came out. Oh, well, they must have died. I really like that shooty guy. Well, I assume that when we start messing with things inside of the sun disk, then he would just... I can send a um, sending spell to Tefnaju and tell him where we are. Oh, oh that's a good idea. Yes, I think that would be the best idea. Send a message with Tefnaju, tell him we are going to the sun disk, and to be careful because there is a control weather happening. Ask him if he knows any druids around here. That's probably too many words. Never mind. What anyone working for Hakatep capable of doing this? I mean, he may not know that. Do you want him to meet us at the sun disk? I think that would be wise. All right. It's going to be slow going just because we're... Yeah, but we can, we're can we on the top of the wall. Yeah, I was going yeah. so, to... Actually, it's good that we're on the top because the sun disk is on the top, too. Yeah, yeah so we can Well, actually, in the trenches, is there still a sandstorm? Or is that I mean, the, the safer... Weather is I mean, weather. it's safer down there. The weather is still technically in effect, and it still blocks line of sight, but it's not nearly as bad. Hmm. Yeah. The problem is we'd have to climb down there and then climb back and up. And we don't know exactly where the vault is. Or yeah, the... no, we can't actually find the vault unless we talk to Tefnaju. Yeah. So I guess I'll send a sending spell to Tefnaju. Um, 
You could just have him meet us here, and then we could ask yeah, him what's I up. Yeah, I guess ask him to just meet us here at the obelisk of Ma'at. Like, I don't really need 25 words and a reply. Just, hey, we're at the... Teleport went weird. <laughs> at obelisk of Ma'at. Meet us here. That's like 10 yeah. words. Meet so, us here. Yeah. Be careful. Someone summoning weather. <laughs> or someone summoning bad weather. Seiko will stand on the side of the obelisk that's shielding the wind the most. Okay. And you're casting ascending? Yes. What do you say? Just that, you know, the teleportation went out of the monument vault went wrong. We're at the obelisk of Ma'at. If he wouldn't mind meeting us there. Be careful. Someone controlling weather. He can probably see it from where he's at. I mean, yeah, especially probably if where a, he is. Probably, if it's a three-mile radius, he's in it. You know? Yeah, I know, but he may yeah. not know that it's somebody controlling it. He may just think, oh, it's a Well, he's a magus. Maybe it's, he does It's, it's Tefnaju. He's just I like... I feel like Tefnaju's... <laughs> maybe he'll know who it is. It would just be <laughs> nice for us to forewarn him. No, so I'm just saying care. it's him controlling the weather. He's just like, I'm tired of all this bright sunlight. Screw what it. What if it's his girlfriend? Wasn't <laughs> she some sort of earthy type lady as well? Mm -hmm. Could be. Stone Maiden. I don't think she's a caster. She could have class I mean, levels. We don't know. I mean, you know she's a planar traveler, but you don't know. Yeah, what well, that means. I guess you don't know her power set, like is controlling weather on her list of things she can do. Yeah, it depends. If she's comparable in strength to Tefnaju, then very well she could, yeah. Masika, you receive a response back from Tefnaju. Very well. I'm on my way. 30 minutes. He says he'll be here in about 30 minutes. All right. Narmer, you don't have any of those weird bugs left in you, do you? Nope. Oh, I think Stinger might have eaten Shemogo. Nice. Maybe it'll give a mystical power. When is Stinger Jr. going to, like, evolve, like, some sort of crazy-ass <laughs> Pokemon into <laughs> who the heck knows what? You open the thing, and he's just got two Stingers now, and it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> little, do, little do we know, there's, he's just getting a little bitty head and a little bitty torso and a little bitty arms. And Are there, like, be a little gear to be Earth there. Elemental Scorpion <laughs> things, since it's an Earth Elemental magic gym I of feel like that's those cool crystal thing. scorpions. <laughs> mm. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm assuming that Masika can get a DC 14 concentration without rolling. Yes. Yeah, so that's why I didn't ask you to roll, despite the fact that you're in a sandstorm. But then I went down to rabbit holes like, can you cast the sending out of a mage's magnificent mansion? Mm. Because it's an extra dimensional space. And yeah. you can't well, she cast wasn't sending spells from one dimension or one plane to another. You can. Oh, well. Although if, an interesting side note that rarely comes up, apparently while you're within the magnificent mansion, you can't open your bag of holding. Yeah, because it would break everything. Yeah. Well, not Makes even sense. that. It's you literally, if you open it, it's just an empty bag. You can't oh. access an extra-dimensional extra space while inside of an extra-dimensional space. That's which cool. apparently also applies to create pit. Huh. If you drop oh. someone into a created pit, they can't open a bag of holding. Oh, huh. that's interesting. Because you're in an extra-dimensional space, and you can't access an extra-dimensional space in an extra-dimensional space. But it anyway. doesn't implode huh. it like it does if you no, put a bag of holding in a bag of holding. No, a bag of holding and a bag of holding doesn't even implode things. You just can't access the bag of holding. It's only a bag of holding in a portable hole, I believe it is. Oh, I think it's also a haversack in a bag of holding or something. There's a couple that make it, things It only screwy. specifies bag of holding and a portable hole. Yeah. Huh. And I think that's just a throwback to AD&D because that was just kind of a reoccurring theme. And a great emergency escape option. Well, we can wait inside out of the storm for 25 minutes and then head back out into the storm to meet Tefnaju. No, yeah, Tefnaju. Very well. You may choose to do so. Uh, returning back outside after 25 minutes, you'd find that he's waiting. Oh, 
fast. Cool. The Shaitan stands in the, uh, I suppose the shadow of the obelisk here. Nods as you exit out from your extra dimensional space since he couldn't see it. Somebody's controlling the weather. I sense that as well. Are you aware of anyone who can do that who resides here? No. The dust taker could exhibit some control over the weather. It didn't seem to be intentional so much as just a side effect. Yeah. Feel anybody messing with anything? Not yet. Hmm. Weird. Akatep had many powerful servants. Hmm. The four wise witches would have been able to do that. For what? Four wise witches? They were the leaders of the desert tribes. Your people are most likely descended from them. Oh. He nods to Masika. Well, but there were four? There's usually only three. Hmm. There were four during that time. Well, they wouldn't still be around, right? No. No. The Akumin killed them. Oh, what? Why? To be buried with Hakatep. Oh, man. That's weird. But then that leaves the desert tribes without their leader. I mean, I know they can appoint a new one, but Still. would they have agreed to do that? I do not know whether or not they agreed to. In the old days, the tribes served the pharaoh, so yes. They would have been the greatest of honors. And they had aided Hakatep on numerous occasions before, teaching him the elemental magics of the desert. And every wise woman has an apprentice, so if something happens... A new Always leader can step there forward. Are apprentice and master. But which did they kill? Hey, you know anything about <laughs> weird silverfish bugs that try to crawl in your mouth? Silverfish bugs. Well, they look kind of like uh, centipedes or something. They evaporate into smoke if you don't eat them. We saw them in that uh, monument vault. They were real weird. There was like a room where like slaves apparently were chained up and like bugs were pulled out of them. And another room where people eat the bugs? Yes. Oh, Tenoneth's right. experiments. Oh, who? Tenoneth. He was an ally of Hakatep's. A great sorcerer. What was he trying to do? He usurped magic from the Shori. The magic that they would use. Much of the monument vault were magic stolen from the Shori. Oh. The Sinovath were... A means by which to store information. Huh. You could extract knowledge from an individual and store it inside of these insects. Others could then consume them and gain the knowledge. Wait, are th were those bugs pensives? Hollis's eyes widen slightly. Like, I missed all the knowledge? But why were they, like, poisonous and stuff? Poisonous. Well, there was a room that were, like, fine, and then there was a room where they swarmed and ate us and bit us a bunch of times, and it was really, very unpleasant. All I know is that he helped create these centipede-like insects, that it was a forgotten Shori practice that separated and materialized a fragment of knowledge into a magical focus, a semi-living incarnation that could then be consumed. He referred to it as a cenovath, or a, what the Shori would refer to as a crawling thought. Well, well, that makes sense. From what I remember, Tenonef went too far. Oh. He was consumed entirely, in essence believing that he could create a form of magical immortality, allowing his mind to be reincarnated through the ages through these insects. That by consuming them, he could then take over a subsequent body over and over and over again to grant himself complete immortality. 
Oh, that's probably the bad room where all the yeah. things broke. Was probably his, their attempts at his attempts at making something that could possess somebody mm. else. Yeah, with his own. No, consciousness? I'm, I'm not positive. No. From what I understand, he failed. Oh. His mind was somehow consumed entirely. See, I think the room where they all attacked us were the ones before the memories, and that's why it was the mural of them being pulled out forcibly. And then they're and then they're preserved in the jar to be eaten later. The the wizards, the sorcerers, they practice an alternative form of the magic as well. He attempted to improve upon the process. Instead of just extracting memories, he also attempted to extract emotion. He created a variant form that could extract from an individual fear or hatred or sadness, removing from soldiers a sense of love so that they would only feel hate, etc. Oh. From what I understand, with the death, the consumption of Tenoneth, the experiments stopped. Tenoneth's mind, I believe, was sealed inside of the jars down there as well, after he extracted all of his knowledge. Wow. Bound forever amongst the others. It might have been the strongest oh, one. Oh, Christ. That's the one I dropped on the ground. the one you dropped on the ground. Oh, no. Well, as long as he's sealed, you should be fine. What happens if we opened it? I wouldn't know. Well, a bug came out, and then it evaporated. As long as you didn't eat it, you should hopefully be fine. You'd be given all the power, but also all the memories, I believe, of the previous bear. Assuming that his experiments worked out fine. I'm already immortal, so I don't really understand you mortals' obsession with gaining immortality. Hmm. That's a weird way to do it. Huh. Beats being undead, I suppose. Oh, well. I guess? He said he was a powerful sorcerer. Yes. Masika gestures at the sandstorm. It's possible. But he was Some inside the bug. Of him? If it was if it was his spirit and his memories and he was contained in the bug, which then quote unquote died, it's not inconceivable that he could have manifested as some sort of spirit. Oh. He could have also possessed the next closest thing. But nobody else is here, are they? That depends. I don't know how you people with your body and soul being separate and everything work. I'm sorry. This is kind of beyond me. I didn't exactly study the planes. There were the golems that weren't activated. There were Masika shrugs. <laughs> I got a cool new immortal golem body. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure if this is really using Voldemort rules here of, you know, the bug Well, it's the not playing dies, by the rules that you not. have to eat the bug either, so. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Well. But yeah, Jess, you could have been turned into this guy. I could have known a lot of weird stuff. Anyway. Yeah, or been, you know, taken over, taken over completely. <laughs> Probably depends on if you make a will save, you know. But I think that the rumor that with the mural with them pulling stuff out was them ripping out the people's emotions and the yeah. ones that attacked yeah. us were the ones that hadn't been infused with anything yet. No, I think that those had, like, hatred and fear and hatred and fear and things. Yeah, yeah, all the negative emotions. But anyway, weird. Well... You know, if that is him, I would love to talk to him. Sounds like he's got some crazy research. Sounds like it's horrible, awful research that makes people lose their, you know, soul. Yeah, real bad. A magic better left dead and gone, it sounds well, like. it's pretty tucked away here, so I imagine it'll be dead and gone forever. So that's good. Well, I'm tired of getting slapped in the face by sand, so to the sun disk? Oh, well, I mean, 
get ready to be slapped in the face by sand. I think that's our new life for a little bit. Well, we need to know where the guardian vault is to get the pharaoh's key. I can take you there. Much we're going to have to walk, so we're going to be real slow. Could always teleport. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't I seen it. We've, uh, I was just saying, we'd have to at least have seen it once, have a chance. I suppose you set off. Yeah, Beep. at a snail's pace. You navigate your way, following along with Tefna's you. The journey takes you about really just a little less than an hour. Okay. Instead of going down actually into the trenches or anything again, since you're already on the upper tier, in essence, like the walls that form up the trenches, you follow these down for a short distance, make your way basically branching across from one section of the trenches to another, navigate the 50-foot-wide ledge between two sections of the trenches, and actually begin to approach close to the sun disk. All right. Are we staying in the storm the whole time? Once you get almost to the sun disk itself, it's almost like stepping from night into day. Hmm. You step out, and as you follow Tefnaju, you, you suddenly just hit this end. Looking behind you, you can see this perpetually swirling wall of sand. Um, Masika's going to use her flying hex and fly up. Can I tell about where the center of the sandstorm is? Uh, it seems to be roughly in the area of the amber chronograph. Hmm. Oh, where our Sphinx friend was. But you yeah. can't be sure exactly where. Again, keep in mind that it doesn't form a, a stark cylinder yeah, because it's but... kicking up the sand and then bellowing out from there. Mm -hmm. But that does seem to be close to the center of it. Hmm. Can the Sphinx cast that spell? I'm unaware of what the Gypsum Sphinx is capable of. I think one problem at a time. We're here at the sun disk. Let's take care of this problem first. You need to go to the guardian vault. Right. Yep. Very well. There's an area where we can climb down easy, easier, or it's up to you if you'd like to fly down to a lower level. I can fly down. Uh, Masika, you would need to mark off about two minutes of your fly. Okay. Um, I will just climb down. I'm going to feather fall down. I can do that at will. Oh, wait. I can key slow fall. I don't even need to climb. That's uh, fifty feet. Okay, um, then I will draw my scimitar because if I have it in hand, I have feather fall at will. Hey, okay. I'm just gonna continue overland flying to the ground. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait. How did you not get blown away in that sandstorm? Sorry, I mean I have that spell still going, so I'm gonna fly. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, I thought you were like floating during the sandstorm, in which case you'd probably be like blown no. away. So that spell lasts like a whole day. Dun, 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 no, that would have been crazy. But. You make your way past the sun disk. You pass by, not too far from the sun disk, a 50-foot diameter disk of gray basalt, which sits at the center of a uh, plaza of yellow-orange stone, surrounded by a curving trench. Cool. Oh, cool. That will be eventually where you need to activate the slave trenches from. All right. Hopefully by the time that that comes, the storm will have passed, or whomever is controlling it. Well, it could literally last days, unfortunately. Well, if they're still here, we may want to talk to them. Go ahead and have everyone make me a perception roll. Am I adding my danger sense or trap finding to this? Go ahead and add your danger sense to this. <laughs> I roll a 14 for a... Or sorry, I roll a 2 for a 16. <laughs> I roll a 15 for a 39. Uh, Masika rolls an 11 for an 18, but Narmer rolls a 19, which gets him a... Yeah, so 37 for Narmer. Uh, Citra also rolled a 19, but I got a 41. Jesus, toughness use perceptive. Good. 
he's a guardian. <laughs> yeah, you think that'd be one of the qualities that, that Hakatep would have been looking for, yeah. and the person to guard the giant monument just, of doom. Plus, plus twenty-seven. Surprise me. Oh, oh. Dang. dang! He has tremor sense too, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. You make your way along, cross across the upper platform where the sun disk is, descend down into the lower levels, down into the trenches proper. You travel for a short while past that as you navigate your way kind of along the northern curvature to like a northeastern since the trench is set on this circular raised portion or since the sun disk is set on this circular raised portion that forms kind of the eye portion of this trench. From here you can see that there are radiating spokes making their way outwards almost forming this kind of sun-like design of beams rising forth from this disk or the central portion, or maybe even considered something like the lashes of a massive eye. Tefnaju suddenly stops. Sudi, Citra, both of you hear something, like a hollow scraping sound. We are not alone. Tefnaju begins to draw his weapon as the bones surrounding you well oh. up, crackling with electricity Ooh. and fire into these towering monstrosities of bone and elemental power. Oh yeah, the cool. Ashu mentals. Yeah. And I need initiative yes. from uh. the party. Uh. Uh. They're after us. Mashika, no! <laughs> Not okay, electricity. I, I know him too. <laughs> Norma, jump in the bag. They got electricity. Oh man, Ashu mentals. You were warned. Each of the creatures in question, a towering collection of sun-bleached mm. bones assembled into cool. a roughly four-armed humanoid shape. Cool. Cool. Sand seeping from between their dried bones. Spiffy. It's very cool, like the, but I hate it. I like the, wow. the jawbone like split into almost yeah. like insect-like mandibles. It's, and its, it's pauldrons are like skulls. Like it has shoulders made of skulls. It's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's got a very predator maw. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, let's start with her. I rolled a seven for a 14. City Contour. City rolls a 14 for a 17. Masika of the Beckon. Masika rolls an 18 for a 21. Citra Nahamra. Citra rolled a two for an eight. Since these are not regular defenders of the trench, Tefnaju rolling in with a 12 for an 18. Woohoo, Tefnaju. Nice. Tefnaju can finally help. And we've rolled on these before. Help. I don't remember anything about them, though. You knew almost nothing pertaining towards them other than the fact that they had a they had a breath weapon that they could travel through Ooh. to teleport around. Yeah. Did we know what type of thing they were? You knew that they're undead. Okay, cool. That is the question. All right. Okay, I am going to point this out just so that I don't forget that my helm of brilliance emanates a bluish light when undead are within 30 feet. This light causes 1d6 points of damage per round to all such creatures within that range. That is cool. Correct. So just keep Lovely. that in mind. Nice. Get him with your that helm of brilliance. I'm telling you, MVP <laughs> item so far of this book. Can you see that? Yes. I've added an aura. So, cue up a little combat music here. Sirenscape, Dim Bones. <laughs> dim Bones, Dim Bones. There we go. The uh, knee bones connected to the rib cage? The rib cage connected to a <laughs> jaw bone. Like, these things are nonsensical. 
These don't All make right. anatomical sense. Surprise attack round. Tefnaju has first initiative. Go, Tefnaju. All right, our boy. Our boy. All right. So Tefnaju turns. Flexes technically does actually take his... Uh, he'll hold his ground here because he doesn't want to really close on them. And he'll take a five-foot step to position himself between uh, two of them and Hollis as best he can. Thanks, buddy. Move action to pull out his... Uh, no, he'll just take a five-foot step to the side and then stone skin as, like, he flexes his uh, skin, becoming even more hard as granite. Hollis nods approvingly. Good job, man. Stepping past that, we go to Sudikantar. All right, Sudi's going to take a five-foot uh, step up next to Masika and use a swift action to embiggen himself so that uh, he and Tefnaju form the, the big boy uh, line on the either bread. side of the party. The bread of the squishy sandwich? Yes. Um, and then, yeah, yeah I'm going to hold my ground to, there too, I suppose. All right. From there we go to the Oshumentals. Oh, no. Oh, no. What did we know about these things? I don't remember. Not much. Not, pretty much they're undead and they have a breath weapon. That apparently lets them like bony. teleport along the line or whatever that yeah. they breathe. Yeah. They also have, I don't think you guys knew this, they also have the ability to discorporate where they just collapse into bones, which allows them to take 20 at all times on their stealth checks. <laughs> oh. Any, in any place that bones would not be otherwise surprising to see. I just love it. I love any, coffer corpses are the same way, where they can just like, oh no, I'm bones. <sighs> I'm just a body. <laughs> Except when they're not. So the first one exhales a blast of fire, which rolls forward over Sudi. I will need a reflex save from the monk. Okay. All right, that is a 17 for a 30. And they can be tied 30. to different elements, right? Yep, that one is fire. Yep. Uh, with a 30, you flip back and out of the way. Uh, the Oshimental disappears as it just collapses into this maelstrom of bones and flame, considering the breath weapon is actually also bludgeoning damage because it's full of bones as it exhales. <laughs> okay, so really it's a breath weapon, but it's also itself just like spinning Throwing into itself. a little like tornado of bones and fire. Yep. That's cool. It reemerges uh, about 40 feet away, appearing towards uh, basically cutting off Sudi's retreat from that direction. What? Since oh, so it was like a, it was a cone, and it can pick where it's is. It's a cone, and it can appear any in any square that the oh, cone touched. That's Dude, cool. that is rude. I mean, it sucks, but it's cool. Can I just play one of these? We all <laughs> yeah, die, and we just play back these from this. now on. Welcome to the Ashimental Podcast. The next one closes forward, Hateful. kind of recoiling a bit as it passes into the light from Citra's uh, blazing helm of brilliance. Haha. As it suddenly kicks in, as I'm sure that probably surprises Citra because I think that's the first time that that's happened. Yep. Since you never got within 30 feet of those uh, sarcophagi back there. Nope. The uh, final one circles out. The first one that breathed on Sudi again is crackling with this, these embers, these cracked bones covering it. The one circling around northeast of Hollis uh, is basically covered in this swirling mass of air and seems to just kick up wind and sand with every step. And then the one circling past Tefnaju is just covered in these rocky protrusions that cover the entirety of its body mixed in with the various bones. So fire, air, and earth, yes. but no water. So no We're in the cold. desert, there is no water. It's just down below. They fan out, bringing us to Citra Nahamra. Surprise round still, I suppose. Uh, that one begins his turn within your uh, radius. Yep, so he takes a d6 of damage. That's four points of damage. 
First blood goes to Citra. Citra's going to vanish. Okay. Cool. Very well. So you concentrate and then vanish from sight. Yeah. You have five foot step remaining if you'd like to take it. I'm going to stay where I am. All right. Because I don't know what these other three are going to do. Are these like elementals or are they un... They were I mean, undead with an elemental subtype. Okay, so do they have anatomy? And so much as undead do, yes. Okay, well, so that's are, what I'm are asking. Un- are yes. they... They are undead are- with an elemental subtype, not elemental with the undead subtype. Okay. So they can be stabbed. Which means I can sneak attack them. Yes. Round one of combat begins. Masika of the Beckon. Narmer. Yash. Get in the bag. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Considering there's a freaking lightning one like 15 feet away from me. All right, I'm gonna use my uh, awesome crown thingy and turn a spell into a ray and blast that lightning one. All right. My crown of the falcon head. I'm assuming I have to roll to hit. Yes, range touch. Which one are you aiming at? The lightning one. Uh, so I get a 25. I roll an 11. A 25. We'll strike your target's touch, I see. As there's this blast of laser eyes from your falcon helmet. Very distantly, a falcon screeches. It's kind of like from Stargate. The helmets they wear. (laughs) Oh, yeah, there you go. That the Jaffa have on. Yep. Um, I do 16 points of damage. A solid hit. You have a move action remaining as it rocks back from the blow. Oh, no, that was an immediate action. I'm going to cast Flame Blade because almost all my other spells are like lightning or one target and you know well, what, screw two it. two that aren't lightning. Yeah, I know, but I, I just feel like Sudi's probably going to murder that fire one fairly quickly. So, <laughs> I mean, I was planning on maybe ganging up on the one you guys are on, but I'm going to interpose myself first. Um, yeah, but I'm going to go ahead and cast Flame Blade. Okay. And that's the end of my turn. So Masika casts Flame Blade. You chant and tone, extend a hand. This bolt of fire appears out of thin air before you grasp it and it forms into a scimitar mm-hmm. of fire. Fire. From there we go to toughness you. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're closing. He wants to wait for them to come in range. So, you know, he'll just haste the party. So he cool. extends a hand as suddenly there's a burst of speed for everyone here. How nice. Spin this quickly then. Haste. Sudi Kantar. All right. Sudi is going to do a flurry of blows. He's going to start with a flying kick. Oh. Which I had somebody, somebody in the Discord was like, I think you're missing a style strike. It's like, no, I have flying kick. I just never get a chance to use it. Um, so I'm going to move myself uh, 15 feet, interposing myself between uh, both the air and fire uh, Oshumentals. Okay. I'm going to start with the air one, um, since that's one that can hurt an armor. All right. And he's my friend. So you Here fly we go. through the air, you kick out. I kick out. Yeah. That's a 10 for a 30. All right. A 30 will strike your target. Hey, Oh, I forgot to declare that I'm uh, pummeling. I switched to pummeling style. That's swift action. Okay. Okay. Anyway, um, I hit this man. Yes, I did just assume it's gender. Um, so I do That's... 15 points of damage. Can you see its pelvis? It's got some male pelvises. It yeah, has multiple pelvises. It there. has many pelvises. <laughs> it's probably a they. It's, it's very much a they, actually. <laughs> It's more about right, so them, f- really, with yeah, how so many skulls and bones there are. Maybe that's the no idea. question. Um, so 15 points of dam- of uh, bludgeoning damage, if that matters. <laughs> Near human intelligence. Oh, wow. Full of how they set up this points. ambush. You said 15? Yep, 15. A solid blow. Again, like, you slam into this. You see bones scattering everywhere. You don't feel any resistance. Cool. Um, all right, then second attack. 
That is a 15 for a 25, or for a 35. 35, all right. That is another solid hit. Ooh, for 20 points of damage. All right. Next strike. Uh, 14 for a 29. 29 will strike your target as you continue Yay! to leap forward, kick, begin to tumble away, slamming your fists in over and over again. Uh, that is 17 points of damage. Another solid blow as you continue to punch into this thing. All right, next attack. Uh, 14 for a 24. 24 will not strike your target, though. Okay, so its AC is somewhere between a 29 and 24. Uh, or 25. Um, okay, so then my haste attack. All right. I roll a 7 for a 27. 27 will strike your target. Hey! For 17 points of damage. Another solid hit as you continue to bear down on this thing. I hit it a bunch. Is that it for Sudi? That is it for Sudi. That brings us to the Oshumentals. Uh-oh. Here we go. The fire one will go ahead and full out attack. Okay. Since Sudi is within reach there. 27? No. 26? No. There we go. 39? Yes. Yeah. Perfect 20 will automatically hit threat. Boo. Uh, I have a 25 40, to confirm. I have a 40% immunity to critical hits and sneak attack. But the 25 won't confirm, I assume. Oh, 20, yeah, sorry. 25 doesn't confirm anyway, so. All right. So one claw does slam home, striking you for 17 points of damage. Okay. I find it interesting right. that they don't get elemental damage. Yeah. I'm perfectly claws. fine with that. You'd think they would. Hmm. My, that way my DR kicks in. <laughs> I was already over here preparing resist energy as a thing, but. That's, eh, yeah. Guess not. I guess maybe they get that in their breath weapon, but mm. only in their breath weapon because they're undead. Yeah. Yeah, weird. The electricity one will also go ahead and full out attack. That's a 30. Uh, yep, that hits. Second attack comes in. That is with a 36. That hits. Third attack is a 30. Uh, yep, that hits. Fourth attack is a 32. Yep, that hits. I'm going to be hurting now. I think that's all four. That was all four hitting it me. might have something Ouch. horrible. I'll give I'm each gonna... of them uh, separately since I think you have damage reduction. So. I do have damage reduction, so I will need them all separate. You said you have a damage reduction of four? Yeah. Okay, I'll just give it to you without that. So okay. that's seven from the first. Okay. That's nine from the second. That's seven from the third. And that's 12 from the fourth with your damage reduction of four. Okay. All right, cool. As they claw, 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 beginning to slice into you. Ow. It's uh, not pleasant, but I'm still above 100 hit points. So, all right. The earth elemental one exhales a blast of acid that sprays across the party Ugh. with bones. I'll need a reflex save from Masika, Hollis, Citra, and Tefna Ju. Can right. Tefna Ju be part of the party from now on? We <laughs> <laughs> can't go in the tombs, but... Like, after we leave here, let's just take him straight just to Just take Hawk him into book six with us. Yeah, but he I does get a 31 on that reflex save, in though. In his home realm? What, didn't he have some, like, unsettled business to deal with? Oh, yeah. he's gotta go kill some, um... Some fi fire, fire genies. genies. Yeah. Um, Hollis rolls an 18 for a 28. Okay. It's Sudi out of this? Is it me? Uh, yeah, Sudi's I'm not in it. there. All right, so Masika rolled a 16 for a 24. Uh, Citra rolled a 16 for a 35. All right, seems like the entire party saves. Tefshin, you rolled a perfect 20 for a 32? 31. So that is 20 points, so half that would be 10 points of damage to each of you. Half of this is acid, half of this is bludgeoning. You have evasion, so if you have evasion, you save for nothing. All right, so no acid, but I will take the other five. 
hey, hey, you and know he'll go else? ahead and teleport with it as he does as he appears next to Hollis. Yeah. Oh, everybody's within reach of me! Yay! You know what? That means both of them take a d6 of damage. Yes, it does. <laughs> At the beginning of your turn. You gotta get in the flank. From the Ashumentals. Let me mark off uh, 10 hit points for toughness you. God, Jesus. Oh, yeah, he doesn't have acid immunity. He does it. 10 hit points down, 286 hit points to go. <laughs> Seriously, we just throw him at Hakatep and then follow. <laughs> Dude's got a 34 AC. Dang. And he's a, he's a Magus, right? Yes. God, that's not even heavy. He's a shy tan or whatever it's, it's it is on top of that. It's natural armor. I was going to say, it's just all natural armor. Yeah, his touch AC blows. It's a 10. Everything comes from something else. <laughs> From the Oshimentals, we go to Hollis Starkweather. Cool. Hollis looks up at this big bone boy and is going to, you know, flick her. It spits her. up a little sand at you. Yeah, rude. I'm uh, going to flick her rod of quicken out of her little wrist sheath. All right. And uh, quicken bone shaker, which makes it a swift action. <laughs> so shouldn't. Swift provoke. actions do not provoke attacks of opportunity. So uh, they're intelligent, so they do get a save. It is a fortitude save. They might make it, but. I'd like to lobby for a hero point for Hollis for using Bone Shaker on these things. They have bones. They're undead. They have bones, baby. Dim bones. But it's only a second level spell, so. I'm hearing Kate Nash's uh, skeleton song in my head right now. I could say 19. Ah, that's on the dot. Ah. Very unfortunate. Well, fine. I guess I'm not going to make him walk away from me, provoking attack from Sudi, and go hit his friend. And instead, I'm going to five foot step away. I have a standard action left. I am going to... Sudi, how's your reflex save? It's a 13. So, I mean, it's... Weirdly, it's my weakest save, but, I mean, it's fine. Blow him up. Ah, you don't want to blow him up? Well, I don't want to hit you. Oh, fine. All right, uh, I'm going to cast on the defensive and see if I can get Disintegrate to work. Ooh, nice. All right. So... Hopefully they're not too Mm -hmm. fortunatous. So concentration check, DC will be six level spell, so DC 27. Okay. Uh, 36, which does pass. 36 will succeed. All right. So let me see if I can hit this scary yellow boy. He's yellowy, right? Acid. The earth. Yeah, the earth. Green, uh, whatever ash, color he is. That's not bad. All right. I roll an 18 on the die to hit. So that's a 29 for touch. 29 will hit your target's touch AC. I was say, I'm sure their touch is bad. All right, it is disintegrate. So we'll take a attack now. It's all a moot point. Uh, rolls a natural one, so automatically misses. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> nice. All right, so I guess it makes a fort save then. Yes, it's been fort hit. save, please. Yep. At least I got that natural one out of the way for that. That is a two. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! So maybe fail. I'm thinking a 12 is not going to succeed. Yay! It doesn't! I Disintegration! I disintegrate it now. All right. Oh so many damage. So many damage. That is uh, 28. A green ray springs, flies across the distance. It would do the Star Trek thing where you see their skeleton, but it's already a skeleton. So it just kind of flashes green for a second. It flashes the (laughs) negative where it's just all black instead of all white. (laughs) Flashes the negative. It suddenly has skin. And then it (laughs) disintegrates. How does this work? (laughs) Doesn't that turn it into a, uh, oh gosh, what is that thing that's like, is it corpse orgy or whatever? It's like a bunch of bodies just mushed together. Yeah. I think those are technically like a... Aberration or something. They're an ooze, I think. ooze, yeah. One or the other. I'm just imagining that where it's like a just fun to say. I know that's really morbid of me, but it's I I just just imagine it's the mishmash of of different body parts and everything. I almost guarantee you 
It's an 80s metal band. <laughs> probably. Oh, Corpse Orgy? Probably. probably. Corpse Orgy. You're not gonna make I recently found out that there's a, uh, a Canadian metal band that does nothing but songs based on H.P. Lovecraft's works called Darkest of the Hillside Thickets. Are they good? They're okay. There's also a band called uh, Loot the Body that I started listening to that does a whole bunch of D&D themed stuff. They're pretty good. All right. It's very um, 70s. I rolled so-so on that. Uh, 87 points of damage. Ouch. That is still a solid hit. You'd say a solid, a uh, little bit over half of it disintegrates off around the center as it seems to I'll topple back it. for a moment before continuing to bear forward on all of you. A quick Google search shows a lot of mentions of cor- corpse orgies and uh, D&D and all that. And one song by Backyard Cannibalism called Corpse Orgy. Oh. Well, that's something. So yeah, there's not Good a metal band. Who knew? All right. All right, Path Folk, you've got a new challenge. Start up a metal band called yes. Corpse Orgy. Yeah. <laughs> Your first song needs to be uh, Ostrumental. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. Stuck in the trench, fighting the Ostrumental. From Hollis, we go to Citra Nahamra. They take an additional four points of damage. Mm-hmm. Chip, chip, chipping away. Chip, nice. chip. Hi. Right. Okie day. Um, hmm. Come flank with me. Uh, I oh, am, and since I am vanished, does stepping out of his threatened range do anything? You're unaware whether or not they can see you. Well, I am going to uh, go ahead and do an acrobatics. Okay. Uh, to move uh, to the other side of Tefnaju so that I can flank with Sudi. Yay, flank buddies. Okay. Not my best roll. Uh, I start with a 28, I get a 36 acrobatics. I am also vanished. He also already took his attack of opportunity hitting Hollis. Yeah, I, I did provoke that. So if he doesn't yeah, have combat have reflexes, then this may all combat reflexes. We don't know You guys are high enough level that combat reflexes starting to become pretty common. Also, he's got <laughs> a lot of arms and a lot, lot of skulls. So. <laughs> so in answer to your question, you do tumble around into the flank with it without any issue. Okay. You do get the sense it is tracking you. Ooh. Only the mm. one that you're fighting against right now, however. Mm. Not the other ones that don't seem to register where you're moving. Oh, it's the one tied to Earth. Maybe it has tremor sense. Yeah, maybe it gets that. Uh, Well, once I move into the flank, I shall attack. Yeah. The other one seems to be only vaguely aware of your movement because there's this, like, glowing radiance coming from somewhere in that direction that he can't see anymore. (laughs) But he's burning him. That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. The pain's coming from a slightly different side of me. Fortunately, I didn't roll so hot on that first one. Um, he's flat-footed, maybe? He, oh, no, he's not, because he can see you. He's not flat-footed. He's flat-footed. You're invisible. Oh, right. He is flat-footed. Oh, then maybe I'll get this. So. He doesn't count as flanked because he's unaware of you, but, well, he's technically aware of you, but you know what I mean. Okay. Either uh, way. I rolled a six for a 24. A 24 will strike your flat-footed opponent <laughs> as you spring hey! around and ram your invisible blade into this <laughs> thing's third spine. Third spine. It, you know, it needs all three. Um, 30 regular damage and 4 electricity. 30 regular, 4 electricity. All right. A solid blow again. Your blade meets no, like, supernatural resistance or anything as you cleave your weapon into it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and double debilitate, and we shall lower his AC, and we shall lower his attack. Okay. From Citra we go to Masika of the Beckon. All right. Uh, Masika will take a 5-foot step forward. Ooh, she's going in for the kill. Yep. Well, she oh, she got a sword. She's squaring up. The flame blade attacks are melee touch attacks. Okay. I get a 24 for my first swing. 
Alright. 24 will strike your target's touch AC. Uh, I do 12 points of fire damage. A solid hit. Uh, Citra's opportunist should go off at that point, yes? Yep. Stab! That is a... I rolled a 13, which should give me a 31. 31 will strike your flanked opponent. Okay. Just imagining Masika's just like giving it a little hot foot, just like poking it right in the ankle. Toes. Yeah, just giving it a little right in the toes. It's just got a lot of toes. Hot foot. Be 34 points of regular damage and two points of electricity. As you ram your blade into it and the thing goes down into a pile of bones and dust. Sweet. Masika. Crap. Okay. <laughs> Masika's yep. like, oh, okay. <laughs> Masika's just like, look at the sword. Look over at Citra. What? Swing the sword. Like, dang it. <laughs> there was more hey, stabbing fair, to do. Just, or Masika just provided Citra an extra attack. So. It's true. It's true. Take I want to just swing my fancy flamey fire stick more, though. Oh, you can anyway, I guess that's the end of my turn. Narmer also flamies. looks sad with his, like, he's got a tiny little version of the flame sword. Oh. In the back. <laughs> why why am I imagining his flame sword? It's just one of those little plastic around. swords that you find in like the fancy drinks. <laughs> I was thinking yes. of the swords that like they collapse, they they glow, like the old school like quote unquote lightsaber. Oh, the old school lightsaber. Oh, things, the yeah. old school lightsaber. He's just got a little Kylo Ren lightsaber in the backpack. <laughs> oh. <laughs> From Masika, we go to Tefnaju. All right, so he'll no longer be able to do what he's hoping to do once one of them got into range, which was full out attack. Yeah, he'll just close on that one. Yeah, he can come hit on the one I was hitting on. He strides 10 feet forward towards the arrow. Actually, he'll circle around. Wait, no, he won't because he's really slow. Unless he burrows. He doesn't feel like burrowing. Dig, dig, he'll just dig, move dig. 10 feet forward. He closes on the one, the electricity one near Sudi. Hefts and swings with his axe of the imperative. You know what? Actually, he hefts and swings with a spell strike. Cool. Get him, Tefnaju. That is a perfect 20, which will automatically hit. Oh, Jesus. Uh, So that's a hit threat. Only rolls a three to confirm. That is still a 31, which is a confirmed critical hit as he hefts and swings his massive axe, slamming it into this thing. Remember how we were like, thank God we didn't fight this guy? That's right. So it's a times three critical, but his spell only gets a times two critical. Only. So much damage. I have a feeling this thing is Such dead. Such much damage. That'd be cool. All right, so 43 points of regular damage. <laughs> what spell did he sling? And then he hits it with a force punch through his <laughs> weapon. Ooh. Nice. Which does allow a fortitude save. Rolls a 10. Just gets him a 20. So it does make the fortitude save. However, it just negates the movement because otherwise he'd knock it back and not the damage that he does. So that's 20d4 worth of damage because it's a critical. Oh! Hold on. Nice. Pause for Rick rolling a d4 20 times. That's 47 points of force damage that then slams into it as it blasts it into pieces and shatters it across the wall. Good gravy. (sighs) It then props his, you know, axe up on his shoulder and turns to look over Sudi's shoulder towards the one remaining. (laughs) Impressive. Thank you. I'll leave this one to you, Monolith. Sudi Kantar. Paha, papa. Sudi's got axe envy right now, man. Yep. They just turn <laughs> over and do like a little large size fist bump. Yeah, exactly. It's just, like, it's just like Sudi's so so like warding off this thing with one hand, like fist bumps Tefnaju, and then he full out attacks. You do that <laughs> elbow fist bump thing. Yep. 
Oh, there you elbow go. Bump. Yeah. That elbow bump. Thing. Um, because wow, the battlefield just like cleared right up. Um, so Sudi's gonna flurry of blows on this uh, this last Ashimental, the fire one. All Here right. we go. Here we go to save the day. Uh, so that is a 13 for a 36 because I forgot I'm big. 36 will strike your target. You should remember you're big. You're taking up like. I know. I'm taking up so much space, man. <laughs> All right. So that is 21 points of damage. A solid hit. All right. Second attack. <laughs> that is a 16 for a 39. A 39 will strike your target as you swing back around, oh, kick your nice. foot out, slam it, it into went your target. so far. <laughs> Oh my god. He needs to get that thing for his tower that slows down the dice as they go. I don't have this problem ever. I, 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 I didn't understand. drop it in the hole and so it just went flying. All right. We need, to, we need to have fans send Jordan extra dice so that when they go flying off, he can just grab a replacement, not get off microphone. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, so that is 16 points of damage. 16. All right. Another solid hit. Uh, so that is a 7 for a 25. 25 will not strike your target. Okay, next attack. Okay, that is a 19 for a 32. Busting out the Shang-Chi moves. 32 will strike your target. Hi, yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, 32. Okay, strike my target. Uh, 16 points of damage. Now my haste attack. Continue to pummel away. All right, that is a 15 for a 38. A 38 hits for 14 points of damage. So you continue slamming your fist into this thing over and over again, punching so fast that your hands can't catch fire on this. It is, however, still standing. Yep, I mean, it seems to be made of hit points. As most things are. I was about to say, technically, aren't we all made of hit points? Technically. Whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh god, that's so deep. We're all just XP and hit points. From there, we go to the Oshimental. Uh-oh. He's going to breathe on us. Uh, no, that hasn't recharged yet. He'll go ahead and uh, fall out attack Sudi. Good. You attack me. All right, so that's a 27. No. 29. Yes. 36. Yes. And 30 even. Yes. So three hits. All right. Thrice. You said you have four damage reduction, so yes. after your damage reduction, that is 13. Okay. 10. 23, okay. And 13. So 36. Okay. Got it. So it continues to tear Owie. into you. Sudi's blood staining the sand around him, quickly hardening into little blood rocks. <laughs> Hollis. All right, Sudi, I got this. You ready? Uh, you, you totally missed a chance to call them bloodstones. Hmm. Oh, that's the wrong thing. Bloodstones. Hollis blood takes a five-foot step and holds out her hand, and a big old ram rolls out, because Hollis has the <laughs> ring of the ram. Yeah, ring of the ram it. I'm going to use three charges off this ring of the ram to hit the, uh, you know, bad guy. So it counts as a large size ram, uses my okay. caster level, plus the equivalent of a strength of 25, which I believe is a plus seven. Okay. It is a plus seven. Okay, that's not a bad roll. It's a 10, very average, which gets me a 31 to hit it. 31 will strike your target. Cool. I punch it. Um, it then gets a... It gets damage. Let's do that first. And All right. force damage. So 3d6, a whole 3d6. Um, 10 points of damage. Solid uh, hit. And then I get to try to push it, I guess. Okay. 
<laughs> we'll see. This part's kind of weird, but whatever. Uh, I only roll a six to get a 25 to push it, so I doubt it, it goes anywhere. <laughs> mm, no. <laughs> oh, well. I don't think it has extra legs, but apparently it gets a bonus against Bull Rush. It's got a lot of legs, you know? It's yeah. all the extra toes. Give it good grip. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Fit the arms. Phalanges. From Hollis, we go to Citrina Homra. Sudi, did you see me? I punched it. Magic. So Sudi, like, extends his pinky to, like, fist bump you? I fist bump. (laughs) All right, well, Citra is going to use all her hasty movement to uh, run around and get into the flank with this good gentleman. All right. I will acrobatics when I get around uh, uh, his side flank, I guess you would call it. Okay. <laughs> so that he does not hit me as I close in. Alright, let's take a minus five to move at your full movement speed. Because I rolled a 19. Yay! <laughs> nice. What does that give you? A 47 minus five, so 42. 42 will just beat at CMD. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared that it just beat that. <laughs> yeah, apparently I needed to roll real well. So uh, Citra does uh, some flip-flop maneuver. Uh, casting it in the undead killing light. Okay. And then she shall attack. Okay. You're technically flanking with Sudi. Yay! Um, roll a 13 for a 31. A 31 will hit your flanked opponent. Okay. Oh, that was good. So that is uh, 42 points of regular damage and 3 points of electricity. As it goes down under the blast of <laughs> nice. your weapon, stabbing yeah. into its back and wrenching it free as it collapses into a pile of embers and dust. Ooh wee! Those Indeed. are the Oshimentals. And how many of those are there supposed to be? Thousands, tens of thousands, maybe. So we should uh, move quickly so that we don't have to fight more of them. They're more common in this vicinity, oh. the closer to the sun disk. Hmm. Curious. I'll allow everyone to make a sense motive if they so wish. Uh-oh. Uh, I roll a 7 for a 21. I roll a 16 for a 25. Mystica rolls a perfect 20, which gets her a 27. I rolled a 4 for a 22. Mystica, you're kind of brushing the dust off of you following that fight and making your way back over. Hollis, you're kind of shaking your hand a bit from the, the recoil from your ring of the ram. Wow. It's like, oh, it actually pushes back kind of hard. Sudi Masika, you notice that Tefnizu makes this statement, then kind of looks up towards the direction of the sun disk. His brow furrows a little bit as the light glance glints off of his onyx skin, almost as if there's another thought, but he decides not to voice it. What's wrong? Not to discourage you. It is, however, likely that when you attempt to activate the trenches, it'll channel a great deal of elemental energy, acting as a beacon to these creatures. Oh. So what I'm hearing is Hollis be ready to teleport us away. Well, we may have to hold our ground while the activation takes place. Oh. Oh, we can we can think about it. We got some time. If oh, we crud! Aren't I aren't I supposed to activate the sun disk with the with Hakatep's mask and everything? No, you need the Pharaoh's key, which is why we're going to the. Uh, as long um, as we're like on working on your behalf, we might be able to get away with it. But I, we'll gonna, I thought there was something like I had to activate it so that Tefnaju could be free. You would like have that. to be the one to activate it. Yeah, but you yeah. have to, we, we still need the Pharaoh's key to Right, yeah, we still need that. that, but I think I think Studi has to actually like uh, push the proverbial button. Well yes. we'll figure we got some time to think about how we might safeguard ourselves. 
something I wouldn't spend your time dwelling on right now. Mm-hmm. Plenty Other else to think to on. Tend to first. Bigger fish to fry. Sudi shrinks back down, sidles up next to Masika. So, um... Just points a finger at his gaping wounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> P- points at all the scratch marks, like, all over him. Oh, Sudi. I'm, I'm so hurt. I'm over 100 hit points. It hurts a lot. Sudi, you do know that uh, you can uh, say things, like words, like, please heal me, Masika. I mean, I could have done that. <laughs> He's using a cute little cat face. <laughs> ah, I see. The puss in boots. Trying look. for a different tact. So, uh, um, where are we going again? Oh, yeah, the, the, the place. The uh, Guardian Vault. Yes. Follow me. We do. Looking at every bone very carefully. <laughs> right. <laughs> Watching every single bone as you make your way. Tefn as you lead you, continuing down along the path, following, navigating your way down to the end of the curvature around the circular area upon which the sun disk sits to the very end where you see an un- otherwise unremarkable area of just sand piled up against the cliff wall. All right. This is it. So the lady that was obsessed with Hakatep from the Shori Empire that was the master of poison is in here. The plague And then queen. all of his guardians... The Plague Queen of Ko, and yes. How many guardians six did he have? Ocumen. How many were there? Six. 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 Is there anybody else in there that you know of? Mm. Yes, I had a few other important people needed to be shoved in here while they were at it. He strokes his chin, thinks for a long moment. Buried, no. There is probably another creature in here, though. Oh, okay. A cursed creature. Something akin to a cousin of mine, if you will. Not a true genie, but something close. Huh. Agazuberi was her name. Huh. She was one of the black Johnny. Do we know what that is? You may make a knowledge of the planes if you so wish. Um, Hollis rolls a 13 for a 37. With a 37, you are familiar with the term. Hmm. The Black Johnny are thought by many, even among the Jean, to be myths and dark legends. The Black Johnny are, are a cursed and forgotten tribe of genies, bearers of ill will and bringers of destruction upon both mortals and their own kind. Oh. They're hateful creatures that are possessed by madness and a drive to call down ruin upon any who intrude upon their desolate sanctums. All right. I thought those were myths, so that's something. They're incredibly rare mm. and very dangerous. They're a cursed ancient bloodline that had best be forgotten. Mm. Pariah amongst even their own kind. So ha- why is she here? I think like so many, she was bound here as well. Oh, that's mm. weird. Hakatep was thorough. I guess if she saw this as her dominion, she would protect the, the heck out of it. Perhaps. She was not granted the same amount of freedom that I was. Well, huh. Regardless, there. Me nods to the end of the trench. That's where you'll door? find them. Perhaps it's an illusion? Oh, maybe. No, it's there. It's set lower in the wall, but the tunnels here cause a natural wind tunnel effect. The sand and bones tend to build up here and block the entryway. Huh. I don't bother clearing it. It just forms as another natural barrier. Mm. Hmm. We have some digging to do. Yeah. Suppose you make your way forward? Yep, yep. Hollis considers that she has, like, expeditious excavation or something, but no slots with which to cast it. 
Aw, bummer. Oh, you're gonna have to do it by hand. Well, eh. I suppose you make your way forward. You kind of... Did you carry a shovel? I, I remember I, that being a thing. I indeed carry a <laughs> shovel within my handy haversack. <laughs> Pull out your shovel, stab down, begin to dig. Go ahead and, uh, go ahead and give me a perception. also has a shovel. Oh, look at you guys being all ready. Go ahead, and, uh, go ahead and give me a perception roll from everyone, though. Oh, oh no, it's going to be all instrumentals. I'll, I'll keep watch. You can add your danger sense if you want. <laughs> ah, I don't like nerds. when you tell me I can. Nine for a 23. I roll a five for a 29. Sika rolls a two for a nine, but Narma rolls a 12 for a 30. Uh, Sitch rolls a 14 for a 36. I'm sure he's sitting on Masika's shoulders supervising her while she digs. <laughs> With a 36, I rolled poorly. <laughs> a 36 succeeds on the dot. Oh. oh. Citra, you make your way forward. You know, stab your shovel into the, uh, the sand here, kind of scoop back. Sending sand and uh, probably disquietingly to you, especially disquieting to Sudi and Bones, tumbling free. Masika's like, oh, I've got a shovel too, you know, and like is digging through her bag with Narmer to pull the shovel out. Citra, you notice that some of the, the bones, some of the sand seems to shift, where there's these protrusion of these large rib bones, and then you realize that they're not rib bones. The sand shifts and tumbles free. Oh, Christ. As these spines of a massive mummified dinosaur burst free from the sand, the creature shakes itself violently, turns its undead gaze towards you as you dig at the entry, and bellows out a titanic roar. Hey, guys, guess what we forgot to go do? We didn't make it mortal, did we? No. He looks kind of like this. Oh, Lord. Oh. He's kind of adorable. <laughs> He's so cute, but oh. Bellows a roar and then charges to attack. And we'll pick it up here next oh, time. Oh, Lord. We didn't change oh, it out. Oh, we got to run away. We, this is bad. We, we totally forgot. I totally you didn't forgot. Know where it. We didn't know where it was. We didn't know where it was. You're just Apparently sleeping. it sleeps here. Oh, nuts. Did you just size it? It was just dark. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.